Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hi guys, I hope you're well. So the lads had a very, very busy week this week. On, th- on Thursday, we had an evening with uh, Andy Cole, which was a great event. Uh, we also managed to record a special uh, episode marking the one-year anniversary with um, legend uh, Paul Canneville, who was the first black player for Chelsea, um, and had uh, this episode, which was dissecting the weekend's fixtures. So it was a real business-like uh, performance from the lads. Um, so stay tuned for the reviews of the games and our favourite segment in Prospect of the Week coming up. Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. As always, I'm your host Budge and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators Dot and Dej. Gents, how are we doing? What are you saying Budge man? I'm good man. It's been a long day but you know we got to deliver that weekly yeah. dissection. Of course man, <laughs> it's been a long week man. Yeah. Long week, early mornings, late nights and all the rest of it. Um, that's it man, but that's the name of the game well, this is just it. working hard. You know? And we made that promise to our listeners and our followers that we would produce top quality content come rain or shine so here we are in the studio yet again delivering uh, the you know the bee's knees man do you know what i mean that's it man H- how about how about you Dej? how you yeah, doing i'm good happy to be as usual mm. you know long day but again we've made we said we're going to make a concerted effort this yeah, year to yeah. deliver the best possible content and sometimes you've got to get around and you've got to do what you have to do yeah, yeah and today's yeah. been you know busy but productive so yeah i'm ready i'm ready yeah, no, hundred percent. Now, obviously, we um we did put out a tweet um which was um basically letting everybody know that we were going to release a very special episode marking the year anniversary with a very special guest in um in 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 Paul Can- Canneville. Yeah, and we were actually going to combine it with <laughs> yeah. um the the weekend's analysis. Mm. And then, and then we obviously had a a, um, a a podcast meeting, and thought, you know what? 
you know, we don't want to water down this content because yeah, the, the, it, it was it was absolute gold. Mm. And so, you know, I think everyone, when, when they hear that episode, they're going to realise why we just couldn't merge it mm. together with any, any uh, of the weekend's fixtures. So for you that are listening in, just keep your eyes peeled for mm. that episode when it does come out. And like we said, you are going to understand completely why we couldn't merge it. It mm. had to be standalone, mm. right? So bear with us. You're gonna your 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 patience will be um, uh, rewarded, rewarded yeah. most definitely. Cool. All right. So with that being said, um, let's go into this this weekend's fixtures and dissect the games. Now, and I have to start with this game simply because if we don't, then people will say that I have an agenda against this particular team <laughs> so we're gonna start at well have um, you started facing questions already Budge <laughs> have you been facing questions that you've got an agenda um no I, I think there's some there's some, some some comments suggest that perhaps I, I, I do have an agenda against said team um yeah. And so I am, yeah. I, I guess on on paper it was the biggest game of the weekend, wasn't it? Oh, um, absolutely, of yeah. course it is. Yeah, Man United Liverpool is always the biggest game in the country. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. If we're gonna judge it off, um, yeah, history and whatnot, perhaps mm-hmm. not in current form, but that's another story. Um, so Liverpool hosted United at, um, at Anfield. Um, I mean, off air, I spoke to thought about this, and I already gave him the what the result would be. Um, so I've, I've, Liverpool haven't really raised any eyebrows here for me, um, <laughs> but they came away two 0 winners against United. Um, goals from Virgil Van Dijk. Um, you guessed it, Trent Alexander Arnold again with another assist, um, and Mo Salah with a goal. In injury time, mm. breaking his hoodoo, mm. breaking his hoodoo yeah, against yeah. Man United. He hasn't mm. scored against them. Oh, but is, that, is that why he, he took his stop off? Yeah. yeah. Ah, fair play. All right, mm. understood. Poor Daniel James, man. He was stretched at the end, man. I, I felt for him. Right. Okay. So, um, Dej, take us away on this one. What are your thoughts on the game? I mean, my thoughts on the game. Obviously, everyone knew that Liverpool coming into this game were overwhelming favourites. Mm-hmm. Am I surprised that they won? No. That- did I expect it to be a convincing win? Yes, of course I did. I mean, this is a procession for Liverpool. We all know that <laughs> Liverpool are going to win this title now. It's beyond doubt. And, you know, I've been having, you know, a few conversations with Liverpool fans and it's boring for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, to win a title, you want that buzz, that, Phew, we got to win this game to to do this or we got to get a point here and, this is it's finished. Mm. There's no joy in it. But again, to you know, give a review of the game before the game, some Liverpool fans weren't confident. They say, you know what, United are a bogey team. But I just knew with the injury to Rashford and the major, mindset, major, the mindset yeah. of this Liverpool team is thou shall not pass. We're going to win, mm-hmm. and especially Liverpool's former Anfield. I think who well, I'm beating in must be over close to maybe three years or yeah, so. I think it's like 52 games, maybe there, yeah. if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I mean, going into this game with that record, you knew that Liverpool were going to put Man United into the sword and. The main issue was when Liverpool went 1-0 ahead, were they going to kill the game? Mm-hmm. 
you know, scoring that goal from the fantastic Virgil van Dijk header. It was emphatic. I mean, David De Gea, like, <laughs> he dived when the ball was in the net. He knew he weren't getting anywhere near that. And, you know, virtuoso ball by, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's got the most assists, I think 21 since the beginning of last season. Mm. So this is a boy that we know now is Liverpool's, you know, chief creator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going forward, we thought Liverpool would maybe get the second, third and fourth. But obviously, VAR for otherwise, you mm. know, a judging, Virgil van Dijk to foul De Gea when mm-hmm. we all know goalkeepers are protected species mm-hmm. anyway but that kind of maybe put Liverpool you know maybe harmed them a bit mm-hmm. you know with their confidence thinking wow things are going against us we're missing chances and especially when you look across the pitch Man United this is a team that we've struggled to put away in mm-hmm. our last two games so yeah. yeah and you can even like kind of see that in the players finishing today I mean if Liverpool were as potent as what they usually are, they could have got four or five goals here today. Um, I mean, this Liverpool team have taken 91 points out of their last 93 available. This is a team that are looking unbeatable. And I said it a few weeks, I don't really see this Liverpool team losing. Um, I said the game at the Etihad is going to be a tough game. I said the game against Wolves is going to be a tough game. And I pinpointed... Um, the Arsenal game at the Emirates towards the end of the season but for me this Man United game was a home banker I was expecting Mm -hmm. Liverpool to win and that's exactly what they've done Um, as it stands Liverpool are 16 points cleared of Man City 19 points cleared of Leicester 25 points cleared of Chelsea 30 points cleared of Man United Mm. 33 points cleared of Spurs and 35 points cleared of Everton and Arsenal I With mean, the, the game rest, in hand. Yeah, yeah the With rest the of the team needs to take a look in the mirror because <laughs> I said it last season that I can only see the gap getting wider. And that's what's happened. Um, just to dissect the game, um, as expected, Liverpool in control, Man United looking for the counter-attacking opportunities. I think once Man United weathered the storm, um, they grew into the game and towards the last 30 minutes, they were actually putting Liverpool under pressure. Um, fair play to Man United because... Let's be honest, when you look at the quality of the two teams, it's a mismatch. Liverpool are way ahead of Man United in their development, in their experience and in their quality. So to be fair, Oli can hold his hands up and say, you know what, we done well. But again, it's just another box ticked for Liverpool. And you know what, let's just crown them as champions now. Yeah, you know, when you look at it from a Manchester United point of view, I think most opposition when they come against Liverpool, it's more like a damage limitations job, especially where Anfield. And Oli will feel, in his hearts of hearts, he will know that Liverpool are far superior. But he'll think, you know what, we'll write in that game until the last minute. It took like a counter-attacking effort from Mo Salah to, you know, seal the game. But going forward for Man United, I just think, where did they go from here? I mean, when you look at the quality in the side without Marcus Rashford, that's been confirmed for three months. That's a massive, massive blow. You know, 19 goals this season. Mm. Who are they relying on now? Martial. How long How long is Rashford out for then? I think like two to three months. I think he had um, a single bone fracture in his back and that drop against Wolves, you know, mm. made it a double fracture. And I was reading that he's got um, an ankle problem as well. Mm-hmm. So he's been putting his body through the pain barrier for Man United. So we got to big him up for that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people talk about, you know, players being soft of the modern generation, mm-hmm. but he's showing that, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm going to put my body on the line for this team. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it now, you know, without Paul Pogba, he's injured, having his ankle shirt surgery. And you've got um, 
McTominay that's out as well. Dej. Exactly. So these are issues that Man United need to try and address in this transfer um, window. Mm-hmm. And I know there's strong rumours linking Bruno Fernandes yeah, from but... Sporting Lisbon coming in. I watched him, I think, was it on Friday against Benfica? And he's a player that he will fit into this Man United side well, but he needs time to adjust. Mm-hmm. When I saw him, I've only judged him. I can only judge him off one game, which was the Benfica game. Mm-hmm. He looks like a high-risk player. You know, he's playing the ball forward early, trying to find his attackers. You know, Yannick Balassi was playing. So, Big up, Yannick. They're going to need a lot of surgery to try and, you know, close the gap to Liverpool because mm-hmm. there's a big gaping hole between the two teams. I think the problem with Man United is that it's just reactive. I mean... Bruno Fernandes, apparently there was a breakthrough a few days ago and now it's hit a stumbling block. Apparently mm-hmm. there's a um, miscommunication in terms of the transfer fee. From what I've been told is that Sporting won around 60 million and Man United are saying, you know what, we don't have 60 million to pay you. We don't value him at 60 million, so mm-hmm. we're not going to pay that money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, to be fair, just looking at it um, at face value, Man United, I would say they did play well. But I just want to highlight Virgil van Dijk. In the last 20 minutes, the game was getting tough. I mean, Martial had a big chance that he fresh wide that on his day, he usually puts that in. Mm-hmm. I know Liverpool were guilty of missing a lot of opportunities, but that could have been 1-1 and we would have been in for a nervous finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to highlight Virgil van Dijk, in the last 20 minutes, man, that was a defensive masterclass. Mm-hmm. And that's what you call world-class when you really need to defend, when the game is getting stretched, when there's balls into the box, are you going to stand up? And Virgil van Dijk was, you know, just cutting out everything. And he's just, honestly, probably the best centre-back I've seen in the last 10 years, in my humble opinion. I know, I think Patrice Sevra called him a Rolls Royce. Yeah, I yeah. think everyone's used that phrase to describe him. It's and true. also shout out to Alisson as well. That assist to Mo Salah to put him in. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the first goalkeeper since, I think, Pepe Reina, almost 10 years ago to put an assist for, for mm-hmm. Liverpool. And again, we're talking about world-class, you know, right through the core of that team. We're talking Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, you know. Henderson. World-class, that's going to be controversial. It, it, People, I think Henderson's not deemed, when you look at, it, at ability, Henderson's <laughs> not a world-class talent. Okay, but when you but, look at it as a captain, from a captain point of view, he's one of the best captains in the world. <laughs> helped by the fact that you've got a team full of players who could be also uh, uh, equally yeah, as, as adept in that, this role, one, in that role as captain to be honest yeah. there's leaders from the back to front of course, course. In that team. F- final point is um, Alisson has more assists than Jesse Lingard this season so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we've covered that game fair point alright so we move on um, now it certainly felt like this weekend was a weekend where the results were um uh, uh, much, much of the same, really. There were uh, score draws and board draws all over the, all over the park, all over the, all over the, the uh, yeah, all over the different stadiums actually this weekend. Um, so what we're going to do, we're, we'll just start off with and continue with all of the games that there was a, a winner. So we started off with Liverpool, of course. Um, today, the other fix, the other game that was um, played on Super Sunday was the game between uh, Burnley and Leicester. So, of course, um, uh, Leicester had travelled to Turf Moor. Now, in recent weeks, um, Leicester's form has been somewhat questionable. To say the um, least. To say the least. Mm. Um, But then also, Burnley 
haven't particularly been a team in, in great form either. Mm. Um, so this was a tough game to it call. Was, it was I a tough game, game to call, of course. Um, and so the result did kind of surprise me. However, um, of course, with Burnley winning two-one uh, goals from Chris Chris Wood and uh, Ashley Westwood. Um, uh, uh, for, for Leicester it was Harvey Barnes that got on the score sheet with Dennis uh, Pryor getting, like getting the assist uh, he seems like he's finding some sort of form you know he scored I think his first goal last week for, for Leicester and then helped out with an assist today um, what's going on with Leicester Doc? What's, 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 where's Brendan getting it wrong um, I don't think Brendan's doing a lot wrong mm. I was expecting Leicester to have a dip in form and they're having that dip in form Chelsea okay. have had a dip in form mm-hmm. uh, Man City have been you know really iffy in their form so this is what I expected from Leicester at the end of the day earlier on in the season this Leicester team were overachieving they were punching above their expectations and they hit a streak of a winning run but that takes a lot out of you ment- mentally and physically mm-hmm. you get what I'm trying to say um, what I would say is that the form of Jamie Vardy is a bit of a concern because I remember two or three games ago I was saying Dej like Jamie Vardy's gone a bit quiet and Dej was like oh it's only two games but this is how a goal scoring drought happens no I think uh, obviously it coincided with his wife giving birth and mm, I think he missed a few games so yeah, again yeah. these are factors we need to bed in as well players are human as well so you never know what's going on a, behind the situation behind the um, surface so obviously Jamie Vardy is what you call a top player um, but I mean that indeed he missing yeah um, is a major major worry for them I just feel that he knits the midfield together. And in terms of covering the ground and having the physicality in the midfield, Hamza Chaudhry doesn't quite do When it. he's not there, it's a bit like, mm, this is top heavy because mm-hmm. Tillemans and Madison, they're like going forward. And indeed, he's so good at covering the ground that they leave. He can literally handle a midfield by himself. And without him, they don't have that protection. Um, Burnley, this is a massive win for Sean Dyche. I mean, before the game, I was saying if Burnley lose, I think they're going to go down this season because I don't see the firepower in the team. Yeah. Um, I know that Ashley Barnes has suffered a nasty injury, so he's going to be out for a while. Um, but yeah, Sean Dutch got a tune out of his players and they ended up getting the win. So well done to Sean Dutch. I mean, when you look at this game before we were talking in the car, when we were travelling, I thought the game was going to be a draw. As we've mentioned before, I think... Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is a good manager, but at that real top end, I think he's still got questions to answer. Um, in some instances, Leicester are a victim of their own success this season. Mm. When you think about what they've achieved, you know, the amounts of wins they've strung in a row, I always thought, you know, a run like this was going to come. You know, losing to Liverpool and losing to City, that's no disgrace. But I think they were without a win in their last three. I think they lost at home to Southampton, drew against um, Aston Villa in the Cup and losing again today. So this is the opportune time for them to, you know, sit back and recalibrate because sometimes when you're winning, you, you don't address problems at hand. And now... You know, losing back-to-back games in the Premier League, Rogers is going to be, you know, along with his, you know, coaching staff, Colo Torre, trying to address the issue and see what what the problem is. I mean, I'm going to read you um, some stats. For only the second time as a Premier League manager, Brendan Rogers has lost a match in a competition when leading at half-time. 
I mean, so that shows that normally he's a decent front runner. Mm. And, you know, I just think, again, it's not all doom and gloom because when you look at Leicester's position and you look what, around at what's, you know, they're competing yeah. with, you've got, you know, Chelsea dropping points, Tottenham dropping points, all of their competition, no one's really doing well. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. What I would say is that ever since Ndidi's come out of the team, Soyuncu's looked a bit funny. A lot of people were quick to say, wow, this is a top three centre-back in the league. After Van Dijk, he's probably the second best. He's a massive upgrade on Harry Maguire. Even though I think he is an upgrade on Harry Maguire, I wouldn't say he's a massive upgrade, but his form has really dropped. And I think if he's not playing to the best of his ability, Leicester really look poor defensively and they're shipping in a lot of goals at the moment I remember when they had the best defence in the league I mean also you've got to look at it like when you've got a starting eleven, there's relationships so mm. Sionchu and Ndidi will have like a telepathic relationship when you look in the last few games I think against Southampton Hamza Chowdhury was playing in front of him mm. today you had Napolis Mendy playing in front of him so mm. we can't underestimate these things these things have a big impact mm. on players no absolutely all right, fair point. Let's move on now to the the game, which I feel was probably the most exciting of the weekend. Um, so Southampton hosted Wolves at St Mary's, um, and it was certainly a game for the for the neutrals and, and yeah. the purists. Uh, Wolves obviously being two nil down and managing to turn it around. Um, two goals for that guy, Raúl Jiménez. Two player. assists from Adama Traore. Oh. Um, yeah, so honestly, so- solid game. Um, Dot, take us away on this. Again, I said it last week. I think Wolves have picked up 15 points from losing positions. Make that 18 because they've made an emphatic comeback mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, it's funny because that 2 0 in my group chat, I was like, guys, can you see Southampton? Like, they're doing bits again. It's going to be another win. Yeah. And then I checked my phone 2 1. Checked it again 2 2. Checked it again. Oh my god, three two to Wolves. So I was like, wow, this is just mad. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm Adama Traore's biggest fan. I've mm-hmm. always said it on this podcast. For me, he's the most dangerous player in the Premier League. You know, every week people laugh at me saying, "Dot, you're mad. How can you call him the most dangerous?" But just watch him play. He's mm-hmm. he's been unbelievable this season, and I think he's the most improved player in the Premier League yeah. at the moment. And it's like in the final third, you see a composure to him that I've never seen. Usually before he would get into the final third and he would just thrash it and he would hit the side netting. But now you see him cutting back, opening up the pitch and having the composure and the presence of mind to thread balls into Jimenez for him to score. So Wolves and Nuno, they're doing a great job at the moment. I mean, Wolves bounce back ability, man. You have to respect it. I mean, this was the coming together of, you know, two teams, Southampton. They've thrown away, you know, the most points from um, winning positions. I think 42 points from leading positions, 13 more than any other side. Wow. And, you know, they came up against Wolves who have picked up 18 points from losing positions in the Premier League. So that just shows, you know, the spec, basically the game went in the direction of the stats when you think about it. And, you know, this is a Wolves team that have played, you know, basically 38, 38, 38, 39 games this season. So the amount of football they've actually played and to have the energy to come back is testament to their conditioning and Nuno as well. They looked a bit leggy in the first half though, didn't they? Yeah, but sometimes you need, you know, 
45 minutes to get going. Mm. And obviously Nuno probably got into their heads at half-time and said, boys, come on, step it up. We need to get these points. Mm. And again, we need to mention Adama Traore. I saw at the end of the game, you know, Nuno went over to him and said, you're, you're a bad man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The amount of work and the assist that he mm. delivered for his team, because especially the second assist, I mean, this is a guy last season, he would have probably thrashed that into the side netting. Everyone would be looking at him like, what are you doing? But he picked up his head, he found his mate and he finished. And those are the type of contributions that turn you from an average or good player into a great player. And if you can continue, you know, putting these sorts of assists and making these contributions to his team, then the sky is really his limit. Mm. For um, Southampton, they've Mm. been on a very, very good run. You know, they've picked up a lot of points over the festive period. Mm -hmm. You know, they're fully rehabilitated after that um, spanking by Leicester. And now they're, you know, in and around mid-table. So it's a disappointing result for them. But Huss and Huttle will be, you know, proud of them Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things about, you know, the mentality in the team Mm -hmm. and how they've shown, you know, that they have got a bit of quality. But again... It's back to reality for them. Now, I don't think um, Hussein Hattel will be too disappointed with that result. Obviously, even he was, obviously, throw away a obviously, lead? obviously was 2 0 and scheme. he ended up losing 3 mm. 2. But I think there's a lot, lot of positives for him to take mm. in that performance in the first half. They played Wolves off the pitch. What I would say is that Raul Jimenez, I think that's 19 goals this season. He's a top, top striker. And I think in the summer, I think some of the top teams are going to be looking at him because he really is a talented player and a good player, should I say. Mm, that's interesting. Who, which teams do you think would potentially I think, who, who I think Chelsea should be all over that there was links about I think Man United even like a Tottenham I think even Arsenal yeah. should be looking at him as a Lacazette replacement I think long term that's a funny one now, I've always said that I prefer Jimenez to Lacazette yeah, yeah. I've said this 12 months ago you know when Jimenez first came into the country that this guy is a, <laughs> this boy is a talent yeah. uh, I, I, and my, my view has stood up to the test of time so mm-hmm. yeah fair point alright um, the next fixture again um, well, I think it was this was the final win no, actually, there was one other one um, that we're going to go into next. But um, this game was um, an interesting game uh, for me, purely because of the uh, uh, pure moment of madness, which I think really shaped this game um, and, and was a pivotal moment in that game. Um, and this is the game between Norwich and Bournemouth, which was played down at Carrow Road. So obviously, uh, Steve Cook showed uh, his 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 fine goalkeeping displays <laughs> for all to see. I've seen Dot um, do that five aside at Poplar. <laughs> you know when the ball's going in, and you just take a red, yeah. but there's no, nothing will happen in five aside because there's no red. So yeah, that yeah. was that um, was. So yeah, I mean the captain, and it was fairly early on in the game. I think it was in the thirty first minute or so. Um, he takes a red and his team concede a, a penalty. Mm. Um, Pookie scores it and, mm. and that's all she wrote, essentially. I mean, that... Dave, that sorry, should, no. sorry, sorry, just very quickly, Dad. I don't have too much to say on this mm. game, yeah, but that Steve Cook re- um, red card and Steve Cook being in Bournemouth starting lineup after so long, yeah? Mm. How many years have Bournemouth been in the Premier League and they're still relying on players like Steve Cook? And if they go down, that's the reason why they go down because he's not good enough. Um, yeah, just to analyse the game, I think this was a must-win for Norwich. First and win in nine games for that Norwich. That is... Was that since... Which game was that since? I can't I remember the, the last win. Is that home games? 
I think this was their probably their first home win since probably the City game, if I'm Perhaps, not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean, again, this was a must-win game for Norwich. You know, Bournemouth being in dire form, not scoring, injuries. And to be honest, the way Norwich started the game, I mean, Buendia, I mean, on this podcast, we've been singing these praises for a long, long time. He was at the centre of everything mm. Norwich done well. Can he you believe he's still not yet scored a Premier League goal? Despite all close. of his contributions mm. and, 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 and what he's been doing, he's been mm. fantastic, but, but he still hasn't scored. Mm. He, he came close, he yeah, came yeah. close. They're I mean, greater. I mean, his assists, he's, ah, oh, what a player. I think yeah. whatever happens to Norwich, he can be safe in the fact that yeah, he's going to be staying yeah, in the yeah. Premier League or getting a top La Liga club. Mm. He's still only 23. Before, yeah. I thought it was like 25, yeah, 26. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's actually mad. But again, when we want to describe the innocuous moment from Steve Cook, I mean... What are you doing? I think to look at it from his perspective, those moments are like instinct. You're not actually yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, after the game, Eddie Howe came out and said, of course, like we would have liked him to leave it. And if it's going to be a goal, let it be a goal. Then we bounce back from that. But getting sent off, you leave your team in a perilous position. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that, would you ever see a good defender doing that? Can you imagine Van Dijk in that sort of mess? It's instinctive. Something runs through yeah, your brain. You're thinking protect and you're panicking. Yeah. He's panicking. And <laughs> when you looked at that Bournemouth performance... It was everything that Bournemouth were not in the early stages. Mm-hmm. They looked tired. They looked sluggish. When Bournemouth first came into the Premier League, there was this fresh energy. Mm-hmm. You knew they were going to score goals no matter what happened. Even if it's you attack, we attack and they mm-hmm. lose three too. But nowadays, they don't even look like scoring. I mean, Callum Wilson, he looks a player bereft of confidence. Yeah, this was a guy yeah. that, you know, maybe six months ago, we were talking about getting into Chelsea the England squad, yeah, yeah, going England to the Euros. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with them. Solanke as well. You know, as Michael Bill said, he's been playing with a lot of mental anchors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, scoring in the FA Cup certainly hasn't alleviated that. So, going for... I think Bournemouth are in a big, big mess. There was rumours going on midweek saying that Eddie Howe tendered his resi- resignation, but mm-hmm. the club actually rejected that. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe came out and said it's not true, but something definitely needs to change. And mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do because they're really in a perilous and dangerous position. I think the so, point that you made about instincts from Steve Cook is yeah. a really, really poignant one because you have to consider so many different factors. He probably, like the whole thing about the instinct is 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 important because with the run that they've been on, he's literally <laughs> at the point where like, no, I can't allow us to concede another goal. Do you know what I mean? He's probably, it, it, but in, his instinct is just like, no, we can't lose it. We need to pick up form somehow, some way. And it was just a moment where he just wasn't thinking. And he, do you know what I mean? Mm. So there's other, uh, there's other factors, man. Yeah, but like, we all know to... that Steve Cook is not cut out for the Premier League. He's not good enough to be a starting centre-back for a Premier League club. But, but, so, but are we years, only saying this now enough. because of no, the run of form? He's... He's Dot. not good enough. I mean, this Bournemouth team have lost. But you're only saying this games. now because of the run that they're on. Before no. that, you wouldn't have picked him out as someone who wasn't good enough for, the, for, for Bournemouth. One thing about Bournemouth, they've always been poor defensively. Where they had the the rub of the green is that they can attack, they can mm. attack well, and they can win enough matches. Mm. Now they can't score and they can't defend. And if that continues, it's only going to culminate in relegation. It's as simple as. Mm. Fair point. Um, I think the other point that we need to speak about also before we move on is the fact that um, we have to we have to harp on about uh, Ben Godfrey's tackle on Callum Wilson that horrible horrible that challenge that was nasty and it was a, 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 a very very pivotal moment because it was the first time we saw a ref using a pit, pitch side monitor mm. 
um, after the uh, PGMOL uh, issued that guidance that now they can check that that mm. the pitch side monitor for like red card incidents and whatnot. Um, so Paul Tierney um, was the first referee to do that in the Premier League. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, it was right, rightly upgraded. Mm. Um, the, ch- the the challenge was absolutely horrendous. It, it, to be honest, we, we were talking about Aubameyang's one on, was it Max Meyer a few weeks yeah, ago and whatnot? Yeah, the, I, for me, that one was twice as bad. Yeah, I thought his I, ankle I thought snapped. That, yeah, 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 I thought yeah. it was I think gone. there was a bit of intention there as well. It looked a bit... Yeah. And I just think as well, as a player, like the opposition are down to 10 men. Yeah. Why are you taking chances so on that? sort of sums up why Norwich are in this position as well. Naivety. Mm. Just say that went and costed them a point. It, it doesn't make sense for me and it was rightly sent off. Let's 100%. call this made a spade of stupidity. Mm. It's, it's utter madness. 100%. And before we move on, a quote from Eddie Howe at the end of the game in his uh, post-match interview, he just seemed so deflated and had nothing left. He what says, he can I work mm. harder? No, I don't think I can. Him and Jason he said, if, if I if I if I could work any harder, I would be. Mm. I he essentially just saying I I don't know what to do. I don't know and what for more me, I can give. That means the writing may be on the wall. Mm. If he's saying he can't do anything else, he might be thinking, you know what, these boys might need a change. Mm-hmm. But I always maintain if he's gonna leave, it'll be on his terms. Yeah. Uh, of course. Are these Bournemouth players full up? That may be the case. <laughs> Fair point. Um, Chelsea travelled to Newcastle to St. James's Park. Um, we saw an injury to Jetro Willia- Will- Willems, which is uh, look really very, bad. very disappointing and mm. sad because he's been a, a significant contributor to their mm. successes going forward. Um, and also adds to a, an ever-growing injury mm. list um, for Steve Bruce at, at, at Newcastle, which is, I think again, it was a knee, knee injury because yeah. it was writhing around in agony. Yeah, I think he, he had knew. a challenge yeah, with yeah, yeah. Callum Hudson-Odoi that you saw him rolling around. And he, he, he knew. He was he so angry. The ground. I yeah. remember Steve Bruce came out um, after the game and said it was a horrendous injury. So I think this is a really, really bad one. Yeah. I think it may potentially be an ACL injury. Oh, that's horrible, man. But <sighs> yeah, I mean... It was if it was certainly a smash and grab if we ever did see one. Yeah. Um, because the goal came from, of course, uh, across from Saint Maximin, but it was from the first corner of the game for for, for Newcastle, right in the final minute of stoppage time. So that was honestly right at the death. Um, Dot, what are your thoughts on the on the game? I mean, this Chelsea team, they're very, very naive. Um, mm. I've said yeah. this, you know, team... Lampard even said it after yeah, the game. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I understand they're in their embryonic stages. But from what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing a team that are learning from their previous mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is that I think Lampard has done a good job this season. But I think he's been helped by the other teams around him being so inept mm. in terms of picking up results consistently. Um Again, Chelsea looked toothless. Chelsea looked toothless. Um, I was watching that game closely and I was thinking, okay, how are Chelsea going to break down this Newcastle team? Mm-hmm. We all know how Newcastle are going to set up at St. James's Park. They're going to wait for mistakes. They're going to have a low block. They're going to defend mm-hmm. deep. They're going to be very compact. They're going to defend with nine players behind the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to leave their two wingers to express themselves and 
um, they're going to say, yeah, break us down. And Chelsea couldn't break them down. They and, had a few chances though, no? Yeah, but the, Tammy the, Abraham hit the, hit yeah, the woodwork. He did, he did. Very good effort. Mm. And he had a chance where he rounded the goalkeeper, but it was a, a cute angle and he hit mm. the side netting. But the thing is, is that this Chelsea team, they don't have players with that real devilment to get in between mm. the sticks mm-hmm. of the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Tammy needs help he he needs help whether that's going to be a striker as in an upgrade to him or someone that's going to provide some stern competition because once you get comfortable knowing that you're going to start every mm. game unconsciously your your performances will, will, will drop because mm. you're so comfortable and you know that there's no one battling for your position mm-hmm. you get what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say I don't um, think this is a case of Tammy being too comfortable I just think this is his first season as a he's being judged as mm. an elite Premier League striker no, when Tammy's he was at Swansea when I'm he was Tammy's at Swansea fan. there's no pressure at Chelsea you know Chelsea have had you know famous number nines over the years we're talking about Drogba Costa leading the line and he's going to be you know judged in that same company and when I look at Chelsea's issues I mean these are the same issues that rear their head 70% of the ball struggling to break down a deep defending block you know Steve Bruce came out after the game and said yeah you can call that a smash and grab but that was the name of the game for them they had studied the tape of you know Chelsea playing against Aston Villa Southampton where they came up a cropper and the issue is with Chelsea you know, they can't break down these low blocks or they need help, as we saw last week when Matt Lowton made that rash challenge Mm -hmm. and put them on their way. Chelsea, where does this leave them? Obviously, they're still in the top four race. They're still nicely positioned, but they're making it difficult. You know, with these results, they're keeping the teams below them interested. From a Newcastle perspective, (laughs) smash and grab, great Mm -hmm. win. They've been in, you know, a bit of poor form and we know how the Geordies are, like... (laughs) They're only happy for, you know, a small amount of time. They're very quick to lose the plot. And like <laughs> when you saw that goal go in, I mean, the Gallagher end, you know, was vociferous. It was mm. jumpy. So again, Frank Lampard will be disappointed. But again, they've got a huge midweek game against Arsenal. And that game, you know, big stakes. I'm not going to be too harsh on Chelsea in terms was of... Was Kepa to blame? 100% Kepa is a poor keeper. But um, what I would say is that I'm not going to be too harsh on Chelsea about the low block thing because as we saw with Liverpool, that was a process of around two, three years until you can eventually consistently break down low blocks. So that's not going to happen overnight. Um, what I would say is that ever since Kante's return from injury, I don't think he's been at his best. Um, Reese James, he looks like a threat. He looks like an attacking threat. But the problem with Chelsea is that they don't have enough players that are aggressive in the box. Mm. You get what I'm trying to say? So when you look at their front three, William, he's not the greatest goal threat. Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's only had one Premier League goal. Um, Tammy Abraham, yeah, he's trying, but he needs some help. And Mason Mount is being on poor form. So with this Chelsea team, I'll give them some time. But again, Lampard needs to find a solution to win ugly. And that may be by scoring set pieces. Mm. Yeah. Fair point. All right. Uh, moving on now. Um, so I think we've got all of the teams that have won out of the way. Now we go on to the score draws. We start off with City, who hosted Palace at the Etihad. Interesting stat. Um, uh, it was Pep, Pep's birthday. Mm. And four previous City managers have taken charge of City on their birthday and failed to win. Just before Dot asked me who the four are, I only know two of them. 
which who are Roberto Mancini and Mark Hughes. The other two, I don't know. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, Pep, Pep continued the tradition. Um, no managers have, have, have won um, whilst being in charge of uh, City on their birthday. Um, it was a full Palace debut f- um, for uh, Cenk Tosin, who scored um, an open... He's a good player open, at this level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he opened the scoring. Um, and it, it's been a year since Palace have lost the game that they scored first in, interestingly. Mm. Um, uh, Dej, take us away. What are your thoughts on the game? Um, am I surprised? Yeah, I was, to be honest. Going into this game, you would think, you know, a routine City win. But again, I've always said that this City team, they can no longer win like six games in a row. And when you look at the profile of a team that trouble Man City is a team that have a, you know, a decent defensive shape, mm. a team that are good at set pieces and, you know, a team that doesn't get dispirited when they're under the cosh. And these are all the facets that Roy Hodgson's team have. Mm. And we have to give Roy Hodgson credit. I mean, this is a guy, <laughs> people sleep on him. With a team of the profile of Crystal Palace, he will keep you at that mid table. Mm. And that's what we saw. I mean, you know, St. Tosin getting the scoring going, mm-hmm. you know, a beautiful header. And I think I said last week that this guy will be a good signing mm. for Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad player. At all. It's just at Everton, he was chopped in and out. And that saps your confidence. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of moments in the game yesterday where he looked a massive threat. And this is what happens. And Manchester City, you know, coming back into the game for Aguero. You know, 1-1. One, one. Then once you make it 2-1, you think, yeah, that's it. Mm, yeah. Palace's bubble has been burst. But credit to them. They stuck at it. And Wolf Sahar, man. What a player. Yeah. I mean, that was the worst nightmare for John Stones, backing up into his area, <laughs> having Zahar in that channel, running at him. Mm. And as a defender, win that tackle, you win your team the game. Mm. Zahar managed to beat him. Then Fernandinho couldn't react and we saw an own goal. And, you know, Pep Guardiola, he's come out and he's, you know, spat his dummy out. He said, you know what? Our remit for this season Mm -hmm. is to secure a place in the Champions League for next season. I think they're 14 points clear of fifth. So he's playing games. This is a guy that's resigned to the fact that, you know, he's defending his title, you know, shockingly, poorly. and Probably the worst title defence we've seen, though. Yeah, and we're looking like we're going to get some records. I mean... I have this feeling, you know, if the Champions League run goes against them and they get knocked out against Real Madrid, Pep Guardiola might just say, you know what, I'm I'm finished. I'm going to pack my bags and go to sunny Spain again. Yeah, or go on a sabbatical because, you know, we've heard it in previous years with, you know, players that he's worked with. I remember at Bayern Munich, Alaba said after three, four years, you get drained, you get tired. (laughs) And, you know, Pep Guardiola, he's entered into this territory with this Manchester City team. And, you know, how does it get better for the City team as well, Markson? I know we were speaking to someone, you know, in the Manchester City, you know, journalist circuit, and they were saying that Pep Guardiola is going to demand five players. But I think he might just think, you know what, is this worth my time? Let me go on a sabbatical and, you know, recuperate before I take on my next project. And Dej, I will even want to heart back to Wilfred Saha against John Stones earlier in the game. I think mm. in the first half, John, um, Saha ran at John Stones and John Stones gave away a penalty but it was over should, yes, it mm, was. It, mm. it wasn't given. Like that was a stone wall penalty. Mm. And for me, I think John Stones is indicative to this City team as to the way they defend. I mean, just defensively, they're just soft. They're weak. There's no real foundation. Mm. Like any time a team springs a counter attack on them, you can see that they can score a goal. And I think 
just to to sum up the decline of this Man City team, I mean, David Silva was making his 300th appearance yesterday. Big him up, um, Premier League legend, Premier League great. But for him to get subbed off in the 60th minute just shows his decline. Ineffective, had no impact on the game. And I watched that game and, you know, I like laughing at Man City because, of course, I want Liverpool to win the league. But it kind of made me sad to see Man City in this sort of state. I mean, 16 points behind Liverpool. And I remember around two months ago, I said, Man City are in a race for second, not first. And I remember Budge was looking at me on this table thinking, (laughs) what the heck are you talking Mm. about, Doc? But again, I've been proven right. Yeah, to be fair, Manchester City, again, this is one of the greatest Premier League teams we've seen, you know, amassing 198 points over two seasons and to be putting up this defence of the title. I mean, Liverpool, you know, winning all but one of their games, that's impressive. But mm. surely you've got to be showing more and surely you've got more in the tank. And yeah, I don't want this Man City team to go outside. Like, I want mm. them to be competitive every season. Like, But this is a write-off and Pep mm. said it. We're going for full place now. So, so what do you what? make of Pep Guardiola? Like? What, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think he's going to see this out and say, you know what, I'm going to rebuild? Or do I, you think think he, I think he has to give it one more year. I yeah. think he's putting the building blocks for next season I believe as you said earlier that he's in for five players he wants a left back he wants a centre back Um, I think he wants another striker I think he may want a winger and a centre midfielder so this team they're going to have a big restructure Yeah, and I think Um, he can oversee that restructure provided he's backed financially I think he can do it whether it's going to be enough to win the league next season I'm not too sure I don't think they'll come close Um, but yeah it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the summer I think it's going Mm. to need a year for them to adapt to his methods because this Liverpool team are on an upwards trajectory and this Man City on a slippery slope again harping back to a point that you've made previously every team has a four year cycle We've seen the dominance of, of City in the past few mm-hmm. years. It's just that time now where you, it needs a bit of a refresh. You know, mm-hmm. you've got big players Refurbish that it. have, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you know? but Pep Guardiola's history, it doesn't suggest that he might stay along for this project to be in the second phase. I, I get that completely. Mm. But then I think to myself, okay, if he doesn't, where does he go? Where does Pep go from Pep's here? I think Pep's remit is, you know what? Even if you don't win anything this season, at least lay the foundations for 2022. So in terms of, okay, oversee our restructure next season. If you don't win anything, okay, bye-bye. You can go. You've done what you need to achieve Mm. here. Obviously, there's the asterisk that they haven't won the Champions League. But for him to win back-to-back league titles, he's achieved these goals at Man City, in my opinion. I think the next step for Pep would probably be to go to Italy there's been talk about, you know, his wife leaving him and not being around. So mm. obviously Mourinho's come out and said, you know, living in Manchester, he was sad. Mm. And when you don't have that family dynamic, obviously people mm. just think about on-pitch performances, yeah, but you've yeah, got to yeah. bear in mind off-pitch things. And, you know, people are talking about how he's fond of um, Bayern Munich. Mm. And obviously I think they've got a standing manager there. So he might want to go back there. Or there's options in Italy, you know, with the... You know, Juventus job that might become available at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You never know. So there's definitely options for Pep. He will never be short of offers for a job. Yeah, so yeah, of course. that's the thing. Mm. He's a top manager, yeah. probably what? Second best manager in the world. So he will never be short of options. Of course he did. Of course he had to put that in there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, final point. Um, Real DeWald's handball. Um, for, that wasn't uh, a penny. No that pen. wasn't a penny. Hit right. his okay. body, then hit his hand. It, Fine. But it according, says it in the ruling books. Yeah, according to Law 12, right, in the, in the ruling books. However, 
How does that differ from the incident we saw uh, a little while back with Declan Rice? Yeah, but we know that the rules are fast. That's a ruling issue. <laughs> the rules are Th- fast. This doesn't feel like there's consistency. No, it, there is consistency, but they're benefiting the defenders, not the attackers, which is absolute nonsense in my opinion. And that rule needs to change at the end of the season. Yeah, right road, that was nowhere a penalty. His body hit his body, mm. then it went up onto mm-hmm. his hand. He wasn't stopping the passage of yeah. the ball. So there's no way that was a penalty. And the referee done a great job by, by not allowing it to be a penalty. By mm. the way, he's really caught my eye in these last two games. He played really well yeah. against Man City mm. for someone that's been frozen out previously. Absolutely. Okay, moving on now. Um, Arsenal hosted um, Sheffield United at the Emirates. Um, of course, it was the first game that uh, Arsenal were without uh, Aubameyang, um, you know, given his free match suspension after that um, horror um, challenge on Max Meyer. Um, and we saw... Uh, a 1-1 draw. Uh, goals from Martinelli, who's certainly a, a bright spark for Arsenal. And I looks really like him. Really, really, really um, like him. Arsenal's best attacker when, when Aubameyang's not, not in the fold and in the mix. Um, uh, again, my guy, John Fleck, with a, <laughs> a very superb finish. He You're hit big it on him, so, Josh. so yeah. well. Um, and, and just really left Leno no chance to save it. Um, the point that I would like to start on um, and we're going to uh, 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 go to you for this, um, Dot, is the uh, challenge on Pepe. What, was it an, Was it a penalty? Should it have been awarded? Was it, was, it, was, it, would it, was it right to be overturned or should it have been a, that was a penalty? A penalty. That mm. was a penalty. You mm. can't... He, he clearly got taken down. Mm. He couldn't continue his, his motion. Mm. And that was a Stonewall penalty. Mm. I don't know what the referees were thinking to not give a, give a penalty for mm. that. But just to go into the game... No, I disagree. I don't think that was a penalty. Really? I think uh, the defender withdrew his leg. He put his leg out, then mm-hmm. he withdrew it. Then bringing his leg back, there might have been marginal contact, but I don't think it was enough contact so, to make Pepe go down. So but that, that just, yeah, yeah, but that just shows that it's not clear and obvious. So it's 50-50, yeah, so it can yeah. go okay, either but way. Again, mm. last, so last week, um, uh, Matt Loughton made the challenge, and I use it the uh, inverted commas, mm. on... Um, uh, William, but it mm. looked as though William played into that challenge. Well, is it mm. is it is it not uh, a similar case, or would you? Is it is at it the different? point? If it was at the point where he extended his leg, mm. clear and obvious, but he he retracted his leg, mm. then there was marginal contact. So mm. I don't think it was a clear penalty. So clear I think the, the officials made the right decision. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in in terms of the game, it seemed like it was a fairly even game. Um, two even teams, even, just, two yeah. teams of the, a similar standard. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, Arsenal have drawn more games than any other side this term. Mm-hmm. They've got eleven draws. That's a joke because when you look at their loss record, it's not that bad. But they've yeah. drawn so many games. But what I would say is that Arsenal have too many nothing players. I mean, like I said, there's no contribution there. I mean, he's someone that he should be shipped out in the summer. Meza Ozil. I'm not buying him. Um, he's been finished for a while. Um, what I would say is that this was a step back in Arteta's recent resurgence. I think Arsenal played pretty poor. I think it was back to the Una Emre type of performances. But again, there's so much Scottish on this Arsenal team. I think we're going to have to be patient with them. We're going to mm. have them to give them time. We're going to have to give Arteta time to bring in his own players so he can implement the philosophy mm. and the style that he wants to have on this team. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Pepe played decent. He looked sharp. Yeah. He, he looked, looked sharp. He, he looked, looked, looked yeah, That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. I'm not. He's like he's building his confidence. He's mm-hmm. beating players mm-hmm. now. He's taking players on. He's got that swagger. Yeah, 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 yeah. in France. Mm-hmm. And and this is my point with players. Like I'm not saying that you need to score or assist every game or you need to score 15 goals a season. My minimum requirement is that you're active. Mm-hmm. Like you're involved in the game, you're mm-hmm. making runs in mm-hmm. behind, you're looking threatening, you're looking promising. And Pepe was doing that yesterday, so fair mm-hmm. play to him. Um, just to touch on Sheffield United, you always knew that was going to be a tough, tough game for yeah. Arsenal yeah. because they're a team that don't lie down easy. Mm-hmm. They remind me of Brighton a few years ago when Brighton had their first season in the Premier League. And I remember Dej was big on them saying, This Brighton team, they don't take beatings. Mm-hmm. And I think this Sheffield United team have much more in the I Arsenal. I think they're better. I think they're definitely better. better. But going back to Arsenal, I mean, Arteta, I think this is one winning five for them. I mean, people are talking about, oh, he done this, he's coached this. And like, let him coach. People are too quick to give him credit for mm. not doing anything. Yeah, but then we can and only go is, on what we see. Yeah, this is now the nuts and bolts. We're seeing what he can do. Mm. There hasn't been this new manager bounce effect. So what would you call it? A new manager performance effect? Because people have been heralding <laughs> him and saying, oh, he's done this. Look at the players, they're fit. Of course, we've seen minor improvements, but let the man coach. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're seeing. You know, there was a big decline in what he's been trying to coach into these players. You know, old habits die hard. And mm. this team are going to need a lot of surgery going forward, in my opinion, because, again, Chris Wilder, he outcoached Arteta. I mean, Sheffield United looked a much better team. They looked further along in their journey, which is probably correct. But when you look at the teams man for man, you still expect Arsenal to have turned them over. But mm. again, this was a step in the right direction for Sheffield United, mm. losing back-to-back against, you know, City and Liverpool away. Mm. And Sheffield United away for home, away from home against any of the other teams apart from Liverpool and City are going to be a tough yeah. nut. Well, to, they, to they, they only lost they, those yeah, two teams. They, yeah, but so, they, they were even tough against Liverpool and City. They gave yeah, them like, I think against tough Liverpool, games. Obviously, we were always Liverpool, in control of the game, but they gave them a tough game. I think Liverpool, they they were resigned to defeat. Even, you know, Chris Wilder said before the game that, you know what, this game's about experience for us. We mm. want to be coming to this stadium next year. You could see that already knew that, you know, we're going to take a beating, mm. but let's try and limit the damage. And against Arsenal, they were back to their usual selves. Resilient, always looking like yeah. a threat. And, you know, getting their point, they were good value for that. And mm. again, this just furthers, you know, Chris Wilder's credentials as, you know, manager of the season because the job that he's doing, man, you know, there's no sign of stopping mm. and uh, onwards and upwards for them. I would have expected them to start fading out, but they're still showing performance after performance. They're still getting big results. And I mean, the mentality and the spirit in that team is really, really amazing. So mm. Chris Wilder, I'll take my hat off to yeah, you. Yeah, 100%. Great. All right, um, moving on now. Um, West Ham hosted Everton at the London Stadium. Um, we saw an early goal from Issa Diop from a Robert Snodgrass free kick. What a ball. It was a great ball. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Snodgrass is someone that we've been speaking about as well in recent weeks and in terms of how important he is to that West Ham side. Um, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, he got uh, another goal. That's what four goals in his last five games. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, um, the lone move of Cenk Tosin to Crystal Palace perhaps would have been, you know, it's... it's uh, a move that perhaps happened because of the fact that um, Calvert-Lewin has been performing so well. He's been in a rich vein of form of, of late. Yeah. Um, but yet still, um, 
West Ham's woes continue um, and David Moyes can't really uh, pick up three points, can he? He's he's, he's struggling. No, he started um, off well, but the last two games, obviously yeah, yeah, losing yeah, last exactly. week against Thingy and drawing this week. But mm. again, this is two sides with similar issues, in my opinion. They both suffer from a identity crisis. Mm. Everton, you know, they want to be or they want to reach the top table mm. of uh, English football. You know, they've gone and hired Carlo Ancelotti West Ham as well. They wanted to push for the European places this year. You know, they appointed Pellegrini. He didn't pull up any trees. So they're going back to a more, you know, Brexit strategy under David Moyes. (laughs) Again, before the game, I predicted a draw. Um, Darren Randolph was making his debut. We were talking about him last, last week, about him completing his move. And when I look at it, these are two teams that are massive underachievers. These are two teams that are meant to be close to that Leicester level. That's what we were expecting of them before the season Mm. in terms of what they've spent and what they're hoping to achieve. But again, it was a, you know, like a nothing game, a mid-table clash. And I just think, what are they playing for this season? Maybe finish top eight, top nine. That'll probably be a success for both of them. Try and put the foundations for next season. But yeah, again, I wasn't impressed by the game. I watched it and yeah, it was just two average sides. But also shout out to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You've been because, very critical yeah, of him, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I've been critical of him. I've said I'm not sure if he's a top Premier League striker, mm. but he seems like he's maturing. And this is someone that's, you know, done decent in the England youth age groups and you know, he got his move from Sheffield United and he's starting to pick up some form and mm. show that he is, you know, a bona fide Premier League striker. He was similar to, you know, like a Tammy Abraham. People were doubting mm. their Premier League pedigree, mm-hmm. but he's coming up strong, you know, scoring goals. And, you know, Carlo Ancelotti seems to have stocks on him because he said he's not signing another striker, that this boy has got potential to be a top, top striker. Mm. And he will know because he's worked of with course, a lot of elite of level strikers. And I think just, just, Aside now on this game, I think I don't really have much to say, but I think Dominic Solanke should actually use um, Calvert Lewin as a case in point to see that listen, you can turn it around, you just need to get confident, you've got to start playing well, start getting in the right position, start trusting the process, and eventually you'll start scoring goals. And we're seeing that with Calvert Lewin at the moment. And Darren Randolph is the fourth goalkeeper that West Ham have used this season. So I'll name the four. I think it's a Fabianski, Randolph, Martin, and I'm not sure who's the last. Roberto. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you teed him up nicely there. Well done. Um, uh, moving on now, Brighton hosted Aston Villa at the Amex. Um, and to be honest... <sighs> It, I remember, I think it was two weeks ago, we were talking about Brighton. We had a bit of a deep dive on them and we were talking about the fact that they've got some very, very interesting players um, mm. and certainly players who, you know, we, we, we back to, to, to have good seasons. Um, and even if they were to go down, who could potentially stay in the Premier League, mm. we listed a number of them. Um, and one of those were, was on the score um, on the score sheet yesterday uh, in uh, Trossard. Um, also, Neil Morpé, brilliant game he had mm, um, yeah yeah absolutely mm, really good um, player I like him I think I got the, stocks yeah I bought some more stocks yesterday <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw I think that the pick of uh, of uh, of the game in terms of uh, moments were uh, was that uh, goal from Grealish on his on his weaker foot um, to to equalise and, and, and get the point for, for Villa but what, um, what was what was I saying off record um, you were saying that you would undoubtedly choose uh, Jack Grealish over 
James Madison. I swear at this, this point this was my unpopular This was your like, unpopular two opinion. Months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, at the time, I agreed with you, Dave. Yeah. I'm not going to lie but, to you, but what I would say about Jack Greedish is that I feel that this is like the biggest one-man team I've seen in yeah, a long, this is, yeah, this long is time. Yeah. And I don't think... Jack Greedis is good enough for the top six in the Premier League. I think teams in Spain should be looking at him. That's how good he is because when I see him play, he's just a cut above the rest. Like the Aston Villa team are not on his wavelength. I know John McGinn has got a nasty injury, so obviously that doesn't help. But when I see Jack Greedish, he's so cultured, so composed. The way he extricates himself out of tight areas. He's just an amazing player. He's got fire um, in his belly as well. He's got heart. Exactly. Mm. And what I like about him is the versatility. You can put him on the left. You can put him in that number 10 line. You can also play him in centre mid. So I think he's a shoo-in for the Euros. And I think he should be starting ahead of Madison in, in the Euros. Question. So do you feel that um, Madison wouldn't be contributing what he's contributing the thing if is, the roles were reversed it's it's different because Madison I see him as a final third player mm-hmm. I see him as a moments player whereas Jack Greenish I see him as that controller give me the ball this is my football mm-hmm. this is my football pitch I'm going to show you what I'm, I'm about mm-hmm. I'm the controller on this pitch so I think they're completely different players I think Madison is your man for moments in the final third Greenish is your man to dictate a tempo in a game and I think Man United should be in for the both of them I think it's criminal that um, Jack Grealish hasn't been called up for England. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Gareth Southgate is doing Mm -hmm. or what he's waiting for because this boy is talented, man. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just to go into the game, I mean, this was Pepe Reina's, you know, return to the Premier League, Mm. you know, at the ripe old age of 37. Mm -hmm. You know, Dean Smith came out and said that his energy and experience has already started to rub off on this team. I mean, for the goal, Trossard, I thought he should have done better. Mm -hmm. At first view, and I thought, what a strike, good goal. Then they showed the replays and I thought, oh, Pepe, mm. you should have saved that. And again, at the age of 37, you can't get down as sprightly as you once <laughs> could. And I think we saw remnants of that. But mm-hmm. again, you know, this was like a relegation battle, a six-pointer. You know, Aston Villa coming away with a point, they won't be too disheartened. But from a Brighton standpoint, those are the games you need to be winning because at that bottom, it's very, very tight. And yeah, I just think... Jack Grealish is a top, top player. And mm. if he can get a move to, you know, maybe a Tottenham, a Man United, he'll be able to show his ability. Mm. I always thought he'll be a one-man club, but this guy's ability, it's even, you know, surpassing mm. what I expected. And I remember his last stint in the Premier League. He was immature, he'll be getting into trouble. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. you can see that this he's is a boy. A lot. You know, giving him that captaincy, he's got the weight of, you know, Aston Villa on his shoulders mm. and he seems to be rising up to the occasion and when you see him in you know interviews after the games he speaks well he's got mm-hmm. a good perspective other pros seem to like him I remember seeing you know like some pictures of him and Dini in the tunnel after yeah, the game yeah, and yeah, there was that big yeah. respect you can yeah. see that you know he's respected so he's going to have a great career don't you think that's something that Man City should actually be looking at Jack Grealish I think he's that good that he can play for Manchester City I'm not sure if Pep would actually go for him. I know maybe for the English quota. Do you think he sees Phil Foden as that type of player? I think uh, they're a bit different though. Again, I think Phil Foden is more of a final third player. I think Grealish can sit a bit deeper. And just the thing really with Grealish is he's got that variety mm. to his game. He can yeah, do he what can he do, wants. Yeah. The way he glides past players effortlessly, mm. 
Like, but for him, I think a great move would be for like a Tottenham or Manchester United. But again, it's about coaching as well. Mm. And Dean Smith has basically said, this is our man, give him the ball. Yeah. Will these other teams do the same? I'm not sure. That's the and question. Just a final point, just to back up what Dez said about how he speaks so well to the media. Every time you see him come out, you see him speak with so much diction. Mm. And it's just good to see his development in the last couple of the year- years. Does he stay regardless of whether or not... Um, Villa stay in the Premier League. If, no, if they get, go he's down, gone, he's, gone. he's gone. He's gone. gone. He's Before, gone. I was of the opinion that he would stay and maybe try and get his team up. But again, this is a short career. Mm. He can't be affording to go to the Championship and come back up. He's what we're seeing now is his best years, and his best years need to be in the elite level of the Premier League, mm. playing in European competition year in year out. Fair point. Um, okay, so let's uh, wrap things up now with the final game, uh, which was the only. Um, board draw of the weekend. Um, and that Any was... surprises that involves Jose Mourinho? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm going on one again. What's changed? What's changed? They didn't concede. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Watford hosted um, Spurs at Vicarage Road. Um, uh, Ishmael Assar with the man of match, man of the match, um, uh, gong. Uh, unfortunate though, he uh, he picked up an injury, so hopefully he can um, return to um, to full fitness as soon as possible. You know, we've I, I've certainly been a, a, an advocate of his in in recent mm. weeks. I think his form has been was fantastic. Young Tanganga, you know, a bit of a run around. Yeah, that yeah, absolutely, that absolutely. He's he's made mm. some significant contributions to um, the, the 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 performances and and the results of of uh, Watford of late. Um, I saw Tanganga was playing at left back. Yeah, I mean, again, he's showing his versatility, mm. so you got to give him credit for that. But again, as a youngster, you want to be playing your best position and mm. being tasked to mark Ismail Assar. I mean, it's, his pace, power, and skill is is very, very difficult to combat. The way he pops one twos, he'll play into someone. You can't mm. physically. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, but when you think about it, Tottenham, they didn't offer him no protection. He was left you know, on his own devices to yeah. defend and he was cut open a few times. And after you got the yellow, you could almost see he the hesitation just, yeah, in him. Yeah, cautious. I remember I was listening to the Greatest Game podcast, which involves um, Steven Gerrard and Jamie Carragher. And Steven Gerrard was saying that with young players, if they say, listen, this is not my position, I'm not going to play your position because I don't want to risk you having a bad time mm. and, and losing your confidence. So... Tanganga, is he a centre-back? Is he a left-back? Is he a right-back? That needs to be made clear and mm. play him there so he can have a consistent run of games in Absolutely. his favourite position. But what I would say is, Jose Mourinho, what's changed? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I mean... No, no credit for a clean sheet? Huh? Away, uh, away le- le- let's be honest. Yeah. I know Watford have had a spike in performances and a spike in results, but really and truly, Tottenham should be going and winning. They should be winning the Without football Without a talisman. Um, Without a centre-forward. I, I disagree with that. When you look at the form that Tottenham yeah. are in right now, I mean, they'll take anything. They'll take scraps, yeah. you know, yeah, losing yeah. away to Southampton. They're not in the greatest run of form. Mm. And when you look at, you know, Watford, you could argue that Watford were probably, you know, maybe just about the favourites for that game. Mm. I mean, this Tottenham team play in a unlike Jose Mourinho way. Mm-hmm. The way they're trying to play, that's not how... Mourinho historically plays his football mm. you know the passing patterns you know Watford are more like a team in Jose Mourinho's image you know sit back physical let's make it into an athletic contest mm. and we saw that throughout the game you know Tottenham will have their spells where they're dominating the ball then Watford will come into the game and use their physicality mm. to try and nullify them and you know it was a Tottenham could have won it 
you know, Dini had the penalty which was poorly dispatched. And that would have been a massive scout for Nigel Pearson. Of you course, know, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. What he's doing, I mean, him, Craig Shakespeare, you know, Hayden Mullins, mm. the work that they're doing at Watford, man, you got to, you know, give them massive, massive credit because, you know, being unbeaten, you know, since losing to Liverpool away is, is a massive, massive credit mm. to the mm. work they're doing. And what was poignant for me is Troy Deeney came out um, after the game and said <laughs> yeah. that, you know, Nigel Pearson is probably like the best manager since that mm. he's had since um, Sean Dyche mm. in terms of man management. Mm. And when you look at them, both British, both similar mm. in that, you know, no nonsense approach. Yeah, and they'll yeah. tell you how it is. They've got an aura about them, yes. some sort of gravitas, like, you yeah. know, yeah. And and that's what I'm saying, that um, these players seem to have taken towards Nigel mm. Pearson and he's doing a fantastic job. I was Absolutely. laughing because... Absolutely. Because... I was thinking about what um, Troy Deeney was saying in his post-match interview, yeah. and he was he was he was saying um, when he when he was talking about the penalty, he was like, "Yeah, I missed it. I'm not going to apologize for it because I've scored them. <laughs> I've scored like those yeah. in, in the past." Honest, that was like <laughs> that was bound to happen because Troy Deeney's penalties are not really great. He just smashes them down <laughs> yeah, the middle. Yeah. This was the first time he actually tried to put it in a corner, and it still yeah. went like yeah, middleish. Yeah. I say, even though I'm making up a word, but yeah. um, what I would say is that this is my problem with Son. You know, we've had the argument, we've had the debate on this podcast saying, is mm. he tier one? And I've always said, you know what? He's upper tier two because he lacks the consistency. Again, he was poor. My good boy, Tobbs, he's not happy with his recent form. Yeah. I mean, five goals in the Premier League, 23 games in. That's that's grim reading. Yuck. I know he's been suspended for a few games, so we've obviously got to put context in it. Mm-hmm. But we've seen, I've asked several people that's come on this show, is he tier one, tier two? Some people put him in tier one, but I'm not convinced. He's When he has his purple patch, you'll be like, oh, this guy, he's world class, mm-hmm. he's the best thing since I spread. But when we look at the two games against Liverpool and against Watford, when you've got the time or the opportunity to assert yourself as the leading man, mm-hmm. as the go-to man, uh, and he's fluffed these lines. We have to be honest. But again, is, there, is, there, is there an element of the uh, like the the structure being an issue here no, as but well? The thing is, is that isn't he like the second uh, highest goal scorer this season for for, for Tottenham? Yeah, after yeah but the thing is about Son. He's a streaky player. He has patches where he just looks clutch, and you fall for him, thinking, "Oh my god, like this is the best mm. player in the Premier League," kind mm. of thing. He does nice things, but he doesn't do them consistently, and that's the gripe and concern I've always had with Son. Yes, I do understand that the structure of Tottenham is not great. Mm. I don't think they create enough chances. But what I would say is that Son is getting chances and he's fluffing his lines. So that's the problem. I also think an issue is they need to try and sign a striker. I don't know why, you know, they haven't pushed through this peer tech move. Mm. I don't know why they haven't probably promoted Troy Parrott. I know he's a youngster, but, you know, playing Lucas through the middle... I don't think that's the answer. Mm. They need a focal point in that team. Mm-hmm. And maybe Jose playing him is sort of like a, a cry to the board. We know Jose Mourinho likes to make political statements mm. saying, you know what, this is where the problem lies. Mm-hmm. I need help. Are you going to support me? And, you know, it remains to be seen whether they're going to get a striker across the line because they need one if they want to try and finish into this top four. Because mm. this top four, everyone's passing the buck. No mm. one's trying to say, you know what, I want this position. Mm. Mm. No one is sticking their head above the parapet and saying, I want top four. But just final point on, on this. I think what's happened is that from the outside looking in, Mourinho looked at this team and thought, 
oh my god wow like this team is unbelievable and I think what's happened is that he's now gone into the team and he's noticed wow these players are not as good as Mm. I thought so again he's gonna say I need five players in the summer Daniel Levy bring out the cash or else I'm not happy and And you know how that ends up and that's the same thing Mauricio Pochettino needed so when you think about it Mm. I think Tottenham fans where they are right now in their assessment of Pochettino Mourinho if you ask them right now who would you rather have? It's Pochettino. We have to be honest. Mm. Early stages, they were saying, you know what? We need a change. Or some of them were saying, you know what? We might need a change. Let's go for Mourinho. He's mm. the winner. But assessing this project right now as it is, I think they'll be taking Pochettino. Mm. Fair point. Um, okay, so I think that's it for the weekend's fixtures. We're going to wrap things up now with our favourite segment, which is the prospect of the week. So for those of you who are listening and aren't familiar with what this segment is, the prospect of the week is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And it is essentially a player or a manager or whoever in in, in the footballing world that's been performing at the top level for a number of years and seasons, but played this weekend as though it was their first time under the bright lights. Uh, Poor managerial um, uh, uh, selections. Uh, baggy uh, touches, overhit passes, rash, rash challenges, uh, moments of madness, poor keeping. Uh, it could literally be anything. And so with that being said, guys, take us away with who your prospect of the week is. I'm keeping it simple this week and I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Um, Bournemouth are in trouble. Bournemouth have been struggling to win games with 11 men. But then if you go 10 men, it's almost impossible to win a match. And Steve Cook... I know you're saying his instincts, it was a reactive um, action. But for me, keep your head. Just let the ball go. It's Mm. only a football goal. Mm. You get what I'm trying to say? You concede, you go back, you fight and you try and equalise. But Bournemouth are in a scary position. And I've been saying it for years. Steve Cook, he's not good enough for any Premier League club. So Steve Cook, if you're listening... In fact, maybe if you don't like it, feel free to shout me. Now I'll take your call. <laughs> but um, Steve Cook, you're my prospect of the week. Right. <laughs> Looking around at the Premier League, you know, you could talk about the people getting red cards. Mm-hmm. You know, even Martial today, like losing 1 0, doing a no look pass. Mm. Like, I mean, like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, you're... yeah, but that's on Twitter, so he's achieved what he needed to achieve, no? I mean, it, for me, it's shocking, and it kind of shows like a laser fair mm. approach to football. And come on, come on! But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna turn my attentions towards the um, the championship. I mean, you know, looking through the results, so there was a result that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, they've been keeping it, you know, dignified mm-hmm. under Gary Monk, you know, keeping it in mid-table. But, you know, to lose at home 5-0 against Blackburn, who aren't exactly pulling up any trees. That is shocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Lewis Holtby, this was the talent that was at yeah, Schalke and yeah, Tottenham yeah, playing for Blackburn. It's that, crazy, that isn't it? Surprises me. Grace. Yeah, it's mad. So, you know, he got a double... You know, Sheffield Wednesday, they did get, you know, a red card, Luongo getting sent off. But I think to lose at home against a mid-table team, man, that is Mm. alarming. And you know what? Gary Monk, you're my prospect of the week. (laughs) I know know you've done decent at Swansea, but mate, sorry, you can't escape this one. You're the prospect. Feel free to give Deja call, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting. (laughs) Fine, fair enough. I think that's all we've got time for, unfortunately. So we're going to call it a day there and we're going to wrap up. 
Thank you very much for listening in up until this point in time. Um, as always, if you're not yet listening to, uh, if you're not yet following us, I should say, uh, on Twitter, please make sure you do at podcast underscore TBG. You can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. A reminder that we have our content across multiple platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five-star review. If you want to engage with us and leave your thoughts and your views on any of the content that we've covered, if you want to share your prospects of the week with us as well, if you agree or disagree with any of the points that we've made, then please let us hear from you. Make sure you use the hashtag TBGpod and let us hear your thoughts, man. Um... I'm going to leave it there. I think I've covered pretty much everything. As always, Dot, I'm looking over at you. Do I get the, the stamp of approval? Signed, sealed and delivered. Fantastic. Until With the th- Premier League trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next episode, guys. Over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 